0: great to have you here and welcome everyone in the audience to another spartan space um this time we're going to do things a little bit differently uh typically we have a protocol on that's an ecosystem or you know just an interesting protocol in general where we come on and chat with them um but we're going to do things a little bit differently Uh, this time we're having a contributor uh, from synthetics a thief who you all you probably know very well um and he's going to walk through some of the mechanisms and thought behind the upcoming perps v2 release um, so first off, do you mind doing a, a brief intro from your side? I know, you know, everyone would probably want to learn more about your big brain self.
1: Um, yeah, sure. Thanks for that intro. Let me just double check again on the sound. You can hear me okay? Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm a core contributor uh, for Synthetics. I've been uh, participating in the, in the protocol for, I guess, about a year and a half now. Um, uh, my background is more quantitative and, and like I was doing a PhD in biomedical sciences. And before that I was, uh, I was in college, uh, studying physics and math. And so I kind of bring some of that quantitative perspective to how we think about protocol design and risk, um, it, um you know, within the core contributors. Um, and yeah, really, really excited to chat about Perps v 2 here. Cause I'm, I'm pretty excited about it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. What a, what a transition, you know, what a transition landing in DeFi. It's such a, such an interesting space with items like that. But, you know, first let's kind of talk about, you know, what perpetual futures are, how they work, how funding rates help to balance out each side, just, just kind of like a brief overview of perpetual futures, you know, from someone who doesn't really understand it.
1: Yeah. I mean, so perpetual futures is something that um, I would say Like the term kind of was popularized and took off uh in crypto you know with bitmex and and bitcoin uh, perps there are similar products that exist in traditional finance um that were that were developed like over you know 20 years ago in the 90s i think Um, but the general concept is that it's like it's like a traditional futures contract but it's continuously rolled and stuff right so a a traditional futures contract has some expiration and settlement and you either settle by like delivering a physical cool. asset or you settle in cash, you know, at whatever the index price is at settlement. And perps are, are the same basic principle, it's just continuously rolling, right? So uh, like FTX has a one hour funding period. That's basically like, you could think of that as like one hour delivery perps, right? Because every hour you have to settle up. Um, uh, other, other places do eight hours, some people do a day. Um, But I I think that's, like, basically, um, perps are these very, like, uh, smooth, simple, efficient, like, risk management and, like, directional exposure tools for markets, um, which I think is why they're really popular in in DeFi, because I think, like, perpetualized things that you can just kind of throw and let them, you know, coast forever, like they just run – You know, if you think of like the parallel being like options where they constantly expire and you have to add many different strikes and it's a lot more management, whereas like perpetual future is this very simple instrument. Right. Um, And I guess like just a background on like for people who don't know how perps work, um, you basically you have some funding period. um, You have a separate, you know, separate price discovery happening in this perps market. um, And then at the end of every period, you say, like, what was the average price of the perps market? Um, how does that relate to the average price of the spot market and the differences exchanged between participants, right? And this is the mechanism that forces convergence, so you don't have a futures market that, like, drifts to infinity away from the market it's supposed to be speculating on. Um, so, yeah, like, the so funding rates are kind of analog- analogous to, to delivery in, in, or, or cash settlement in, in traditional futures markets.
0: Gotcha. So that, so, so that funding rate is really, like, this, you know, helps to bring this convergence, that uh... In the real world, this convergence between spot and futures markets—you know, like a traditional futures
1: market—exactly, yeah. The funding rate is the thing that, if you like, statistically look at the futures contract, the expected future value is like always equal to what the expected future value of the spot market is, and it's because funding rates force that convergence.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's it's definitely very helpful. Um, Yeah. So. Before we then step into like, you know, synthetics, perps implementation, upgrades, so on and so forth. Could we just do like a little bit of a review of like the current landscape of, you know, decentralized purpose implementations like across DeFi or like, you know, some interesting things that you've seen?
1: Yeah, um, I, like it's a pretty long history in DeFi. Like I think I, they're, 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 it's kind of I would say the space has branched a little bit. Um, but I guess my, my first interaction with DeFi perps was DYDX. Um, and DYDX, I guess, like that, 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 that's kind of its own class of approach to this problem. It basically, you have, if you're going to use a, an order book model, you have to have order books running on a super high performance environment. So, DYDX has this very efficient off chain order book system, and then settlement and everything else happening um, on, on chain, and in that case, on a ZK roll up. Uh, and so like, that was probably like the first, you know, uh, time I saw, uh, somebody building DeFi perps. Um, I guess the obvious like drawbacks is it's not purely on chain. There's like very, there's not really much composability. Um, and so that's probably, um, that's possibly one of the reasons why they're, they're moving to app chains now. Um, we see a lot like the similar thing with AVO, the ribbon options, um, where. Uh, folks that want to try to build a good on chain order book are doing it on like an app chain that is specifically designed to, to support that because it just requires such high performance. Right? So uh, it's like, I would still say like whether or not, um, an order book can be done efficiently and good enough to attract, you know, HFTs and market makers and stuff purely on chain is a very interesting, like research topic to follow. But I, it also has not been successfully done now as far as I know. Um. And then you have the other side, which is basically like, like Perps AMMs, right? Uh, and there's tons and tons. Uh, and I, I'd say I would say you could break those into ones that are really oracle reliant and ones uh, that are not very oracle reliant. Um, the reason, like, there's no such thing as a, a Perps protocol that doesn't use an oracle at all, is because you have to, you always have to look at the spot price. Um, so whether or not whether you're using like a, a Uniswap spot pool as an oracle or a Chainlink oracle or whatever. Like you are using an external price source and you're using that to, you know, dictate the rules of the market. Um, So like synthetics, you know, the one is like pure Chainlink Oracle exchanges, right? And there's like a bunch of other ones like that now, like maybe not Chainlink, but you have like, you have uh, GMX, you have a host of other ones that I'm like blanking on the names now, but there's that one. (laughs) There's several others, right? There's tons that do on Optimism. There's also Pika. Um, why am I blanking on the other one? Anyway, there's a ton of these, right? Uh, and then there's a smaller group of ones that are, like, more similar to, like, an actual, like, AMM. Uh, and that's where there's, like, actual native, like, price discovery happening in the, in the perps market, right? So, so like, perp, per- perpetual protocol, right? Their V1 was, like, a Uniswap V2, but with virtual assets. Uh, and then Perp V2 was, like, a Uniswap V3, but with virtual assets, um, and then there was a lot of people who kind of worked off of that design, like Drift Protocol and Solana. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I, so, like, yeah, breaking down the AMM space, you have, like, ones that have their own price discovery apparatus and ones that basically don't, right? And maybe even some hybrids. Um, but... Yeah, so I, I don't know how much detail, I, I can go into more detail if you want about like how I look at, you know, what some of the strengths and weaknesses of, uh, from my perspective of it, but I also don't want to go down to, yeah, no, no, no I, at all.
0: I, I think that would be helpful just, just to kind of set the stage before we, you know, talk about synthetics perps and, and these upgrades and so on. I think, I think that'd be pretty helpful. We, we don't have to go too deep, but just kind of like, you know, maybe like some high level, uh, you know, pros and cons of, of, of these approaches.
1: Yeah. Um, So uh, I guess I'll I'll start with the the second side um, where you have like actual like price discovery happening. So you have like an actual AMM. Um, I think that the primary challenges with that uh, come back to like risk management and funding rates. Uh, If you think about like um, kind of like passive ambient liquidity in, in like a Uniswap V2 pool, it mostly just sits there and gets moved around by external market forces, right? Um, so if you wanted to have like a Uniswap V2 equivalent in a perps market, um, it would always lag the spot price, right? So if the market, imagine the price of an asset is consistently rising, um, you, you, this AMM price will always, you know, drag behind the spot price by a little, right? Because somebody only steps in an ARBs when the price in the AMM is, you know, low, like uh, sufficiently lower than the spot price, Right. So you'll actually have this system where the market, this this result where the market is very bullish, but the funding rates are always very negative, right? Um, and then, and also, the other kind of issue with that is that uh, introducing a funding rate into the, like, a Uniswap V 2 like, constant product AMM type, type thing, uh, it, it kind of breaks some of the path independence. So it, it actually, one of, like, the really, like, super useful things about Uniswap B2, right? Is like, it's it's totally path independent. So there's actually, you act, it's you could lose to, to impermanent loss, but it's not actually possible to have, like if the price rises and then comes back to where it started, like you're gonna be in profit. Uh, but it's not necessarily the case in perps AMMs because, because of the raw funding rates. Um, so I would say those are the weaknesses of this AMM approach. Um, but the strengths are that you don't have to price exchanges with an oracle. So that kind of takes us to the other side and the, some of the struggles we've seen with synthetics. When you price exchanges with an oracle, it's like literally a nightmare sometimes, right? Um, on-chain oracles, can, are, they kind of will always struggle with latency to some extent um, just because of the nature of, of blockchains and coming to consensus. And if you wanted to have very you know, well-resolved price updates, it requires putting an obscene amount of data on chain. Um, And only a small number of those price updates will actually have any economic value when somebody trades. Like, imagine if you want to have really well-resolved price updates, you have to put something on chain every, every two seconds, let's say, right? So that's 30 times a minute, 1800 times an hour. You're talking about like 40,000 price updates a day. Um, And that's, you know, even if people trade a thousand times a day, over 90% of your price updates are, or wasted economic value. So you end up kind of having, so like the, there's some cost sustainability issues um, there. And like, also that like, since you can't obviously put that many price updates on chain for every market a day, like you end up having to uh, make different trade-offs that kind of require you to have higher fees on your exchanges or uh, that, you know, um, sorry, I got lost down of train of thought there, but yeah, basically like higher fees or performance trade-offs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then there's obvious, you know, Oracle front-running concerns and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so the, the benefit of the first strategy is you don't have to worry about that. Uh, the benefit of the, the second strategy is that, like, the market makes a lot more sense. You always have liquidity concentrated at the Oracle price, right, because you're offering it at the Oracle price. Um, you don't have weird funding rate dynamics. Uh, you can offer really good liquidity and user experience. Um, and like, I'll probably go into those more when we talk about purpose v two. but I think that prop that covers the trade-offs pretty well, in my opinion.
0: No, 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 that, that makes a great deal of sense. I, I think these are all things that, you know, you will hear of every now and again on, on crypto Twitter, but just having you break them down and we'll obviously release some notes after the fact, you know, based on the, you know, the items that you're walking through, um, you know, in, in one place is going to be really helpful uh, for these users. Um, and then especially being able to take this and then compare it to what, you know, uh, you know, future offerings out of Synthetics or, or others will look like. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that leaves us in a, in a pretty good spot into stepping into like the context um, surrounding the current purpose implementation. Like the, you know, obviously um, cool. Synthetics Purps has been in uh, beta for a while now. You know, you can call it Synthetics Purps V1. Um, it's done a a great deal of trading volume and a, a great deal of fees within that time, um, but you know there's obviously some some constraints um, that had been placed uh, on the system for risk mitigation and so on and so forth. Um, so could you like talk about some of the the constraints with with the current beta perps implementation, and then we can kind of get into you know how those will be solved?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that like. The most important like consideration in in like purpose protocol design is like how to like how to effectively structure risk risk management into the protocol. Almost most of the issues you see uh, kind of comes back to risk management. Like you know you see these uh, incidents where somebody is you know obscene amounts of some liquid asset and then going to the spot market and and manipulating the price and right um and people call them oracle exploits but they're not really oracle exploits they're kind of just um they're just failures of risk management and obviously like synthetics community isn't totally immune to that like in 2019 we had this without Perps. we had it with spot um s maker the maker synth that was back when maker was only trading on uniswap and somebody was literally just you know longing s maker going to the maker pool pumping the price selling s maker trading into the inverse synth and we had them you know um and so like th- these are where you really need like you need to fix the incentives um because offering like i mean clearly offering infinite liquidity on something whose liquidity is you know emphatically finite is not a good idea but even offering like some diff- any differential in liquidity can be armed uh depending on you know how well motivated and capitalized and how efficient your market is and stuff um so uh, basically uh, all the all the, new, all the design aspects i think of two are kind of based on lessons learned from the limitations of the v1 beta uh, and trying to really focus and emphasize um, risk management um so like for instance in v1 um so i guess like high level overview of how v1 works is basically it's it's a purse market you trade at the oracle price uh and there's a funding rate that's basically like a direct uh, proportional quantity to whatever, like the, the imbalance between longs and shorts is. So when you have a lot of longs, longs are going to pay shorts funding and vice versa. Um, so th- th- there have been other markets that, uh, have used this kind of, this kind of, um, approach. It's, it's, I think it's not, uh, uncommon in DeFi, um, but it, it leaves a few things to be desired. Um, I would say the first is just like the concept of, of infinite liquidity, like should be eschewed altogether. Uh, it, 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 if you you basically are kind of, it works while you have a very small market, and as soon as your market gets past a certain point, it doesn't work. And so you kind of want to build these things from the ground up with the right assumptions of not you know not always gonna be able to get infinite liquidity. So one of the things that uh, is proposed in Purpose V two is to basically ditch ditch that concept. Uh, but then even like you know, when you're talking about, you know, how liquidity is going to work, there's subtleties. Um, there was one school of thought that you should basically just tack on an extra fee, you know, which would kind of just simulate, you know, price impact in, on an order book or in an AMM. Um, and you just basically tack it on to every order. Um, that kind of, uh, there, there's some weird workarounds you have to do to make sure that, you know, you don't end up that you don't end up kind of fighting against yourself, for instance, like if it's just like a, a fee that's proportional to the size of your orders, uh, especially on like an L2, somebody will just make a hundred accounts and split their order up into hundred pieces and get a lower fee. Um, so it, it kind of, it has to be a cumulative sum, but then if it's a cumulative sum, you know, across the whole market, is it something that you're going to reset? you know, every, after every block or after every price update or whatever. And some protocols do that. Um, We were considering if if that might be an option for a while. Um, What we ended up landing on was that it was best to just always have like the notion of an instantaneous uh, premium or discount in the perps market. That's basically just a straight readout of the imbalance. So if the market is net long at that instant and until, you know, somebody changes the state. the 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 market offers a premium, right, to whatever the oracle price is. So the oracle price obviously is updating all the time, um, but the the premium is is changing every time someone touches the state, basically. Uh, and so, kind of kind of what this does is, it basically, if you think about it, instead of like, like kind of the way I think about it is, it's basically like a constant product. It has a similar uh, behavior to a constant product AMM, but in in like premium slash skew space uh, rather than in, like, price reserve space. Uh, and so this kind of, like, it puts a really heavy pressure uh, into always making sure that the market is balanced out, right? So if you have somebody longing a lot, they're going to push, you know, the premium really, really far, and that creates an incent- immediate incentive for somebody to come in and take the other side. So um, in, in every aspect of how, these, how we think about these markets, we want them to try to basically simulate, you know, matching between participants but using the debt party as like a, a temporary counterparty which like boosts liquidity and user experience so you don't actually have to bootstrap an order book and all that kind of stuff you just have somebody trade it creates a premium the debt pool says hey i got this premium if you want to take the other side you can have it it's from this guy over here uh and that's basically that's basically how that aspect of it works um i can pause there to make sure i haven't drifted too far off the reservation yeah No. no no that's that's totally fine. Um, um,
0: that's a great explainer of the premium and discount function, and you know, try, like removing this this like notion of like infinite liquidity at an oracle price. Now, I, I just want to like step back for a second. Could we like quickly sum up the issues? I'm not going to see. Like, could we quickly sum up like the constraints or like for Perps V1? Like, it's it's mostly going to be. Um, fees had to be set at, you know, at higher rates to, you know, um, to stop any sort of, you know, front running or any sort of Oracle issues. Um, then you have like lower open interest caps um, and et cetera, right? Like th- those are the things that need to be done in Perps v1 um, to make sure that the system was safe. Correct?
1: Right. Yeah. Because basically... Yeah, everything. Everything kind of comes back to that that issue, right? Of, of, of Oracle front running and that sort of thing. And like, um, you can't. Right. You have to limit the, the amount of size you allow people to get because when there's a large enough latency uh, spread to to trade ahead of, you know, somebody will just take the whole size and like it can be problematic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can go. At, like, I can. If we're if we're done with this segment, I can go on to like front running and how we think about that uh, in, in V two also.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure that, that, like, you know, people understood that, you know, these constraints in Perps v1, you know, existed and, you know, people knew they existed and so on. You know, obviously this was a, this was a beta release um, and so on and so forth. But, you know, as Afif said, there was there was so much learned from Perps v1 that, that has gone into building Perps v2 that, that really sets it up to scale for the future. Um, yeah, so really... Um, if you would like to, like, you know, cool. obviously, we've, we've kind of walked a little bit through, you know, premium and discount function. Um, you know, how about before that, we just kind of like set the, could we set like the overarching goals of Perps v2? You know, obviously, it's fixing those Perps v1 problems. But could we just discuss those first before we get into any features? And like how the features work?
1: Yeah, I mean, the goals are risk minimization, like, kind of also trying to finally not worry about, uh, front running. (laughs) And that's basically it. It's all about capital efficiency and risk. I would say like those, so like, and the things that come along with those, so like deeper liquidity, you know, not being constrained by very low, you know, open interest limits, lower fees, uh, high performance. Like those are all the, those all kind of tie it in some way or another.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, So, so just to tie that up for, for people listening and, you know, Peep explains it very well, like this risk minimization and capital efficiency all then turns into, you know, being able to support additional markets and not having to charge, you know, higher than normal fees and, um, you know, not having to set, you know, lower open interest caps. So really this this like summarizes into um, being able to be more competitive in the in the fee department and then supporting additional markets and, you know, higher open interest caps for for markets as well. all things that are, you know, laid out in, you know, in various sips that, you know, governance has worked through and, you know, continues to work through as time goes on. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if we can walk in like, you know, walk through the, you know, how, how we're getting to these end goals. Um, I know you've walked through premium and discount function, but you know, there's obviously uh, other, um, you know, other features that are coming in is obviously going to be like, uh, you know, this hybrid Oracle system that's been laid out in perps and then, you know, a a change around funding rate mechanisms, but however you want to approach that, um, you know, more than happy to to have you walk through the features and, um, you know, the features surrounding Perps V two, and, and, and how you think it's best to present that.
1: Yeah. So premium discount is like, I I look at it as like high frequency risk management, right? Uh, it's immediately, it, it creates an immediate opportunity, um, to, for, for arbitrage traders that, you know, who, who perform a service in exchange for balancing risk for, for LPs, right? Um, but it, this kind of comes back to what I was talking about, like the general, you know, problem that Perp solved for is, let's say like the market is offering a huge premium because somebody longed a lot. Um, why would somebody just come in and short, right? Like there has to be an expectation that this premium, actually, I can actually realize this gain, right? Uh, because the way it works is that, like, if you trade, if you buy a million and sell a million, when you buy a million, let's say, like, you create whatever a 10-bit premium, and then when you sell it, you earn the premium back from yourself. So that's why we say it's 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 path independent. But that means that, like, if you're the only trader in the market, uh, you don't actually earn anything from the premium or discount. You earn stuff when the oracle moves around, but in, from from this specific thing, you don't actually earn anything. So it's more of like. How do how how, do, how does the, how does it impact the behavior of a market? You know, where all the participants are trading against each other, in, like more of like a, a PvP way. Um, but yeah, so it, coming back to like incentives around why is somebody even gonna look at that premium and think that it has some value to take the other side of the trade? That's where the funding rate comes in. Um, so like one way that you could do it is like you could literally just have funding periods, right? Just like regular perps and like and like the when there is any imbalance in the market it does create a premium or a discount and you could just do a time averaged premium or discount over the entire funding period and you could have you know fund it and have participants exchange that amount and it would work basically the exact same as a, as, um, as a normal purpose market uh, but um, we kind of thought we could do we could do better than that um, one to kind of simplify the implementation a little bit and not have not introduce these dis, you know discrete periodized, uh, events into the, which would probably require keepers or whatever into the, into the system. Um, but then another is that it comes back to, again, to risk management. So how can we, so let me like illustrate, uh, why this is, why this is useful. Um, imagine like, uh, like to illustrate the problem first, imagine you have some, some market or some asset that is a a perps market for some super high, highly inflationary coin, right? That is always, you know, tends to decline in price because there's so much sell pressure. Or maybe it's like some mean reverting thing, like a volatility instrument of some kind. Um, When these things are high, there's huge demand for shorts, right? Like if you look at a perps market for any, you know, hyperinflationary, Farm coin or something, or like, you know, back, you know, if there was ever a perp for ohm or something like that, right? Um, there's huge demand to short these, right? Because if you can hedge your price exposure while capturing the yield, you know, you pay a lot of money for that. Um, we even saw this with SNX a little bit when, when back when, you know, when inflation used to be much higher. Like it was, a, it was a popular trade to long spot SNX and stake it and hedge your position in a perps market so that you were sort of delta neutral and you kind of just earn the yield on much less risk. But the, the trade-off there is that, like, you pay a really high funding rate. And so if you're going to have a market where the funding rate is a direct proportional to the SKU, then your LPs are always going to have short exposure to this market, right? Because even if you have people exchanging funding rates every eight hours or whatever, there has to be a very long, a very short skew over the entire eight hours, uh, which is fine. You're earning funding for it, you know, as the LPs, but you always have this, you know, downside price exposure, to this thing that everybody wants to be short, right? And maybe it's not even because it's super inflationary, I mean, it is just because everybody thinks it's gonna keep nuking, right? Um, it, it just, it adds risk for the LPs. So when we are thinking about funding rates for purpose V 2 uh, we kind of, we wanted to preserve the aspect of, you know, having a funding rate that, you know, forces convergence and make, you know, blah, 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 make sure the expected value of the Perps contract matches the spot value, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we wanted something that also you know, preserves and converges to delta neutrality for the LPs all the time, right? So to minimize risk. Um, and obviously, the more you minimize risk, the more you could scale LP, the more capital efficient the perps are to LP for, the more li- liquid it is for users, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So um, what we actually ended on is like super simple uh, implementation-wise and, you know, and mathematically, but it's, it's a little bit harder to get your head around. But basically, like in V1, we just say, okay, funding rate equals... Uh, skew divided by some scalar. Um, In V2, we just kind of make a slight modification where we say the velocity of the funding rate um, is equal to the skew divided by some scalar. Uh, And so basically what that means is like in V1, if you have long skew, there's positive funding. In V2, if you have long skew, it means the funding rate continuously moves higher until the long skew is gone. And so this so this creates like a mechanism that just kind of allows the funding rate to float around all the time when there's skew uh, until it finds, you know, what the actual fair market funding rate is. And then somebody presumably steps in and does the art because, like, let's say it's like it's, it's our it's our um, hyperinflationary farm coin again. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fair market funding rate is very negative. Right. So somebody would short at the beginning uh, and they'd say, hey, look, I can short for zero funding. And then the funding rate would get more and more negative. And then somebody else says, "Well, hey, I can I can long on synthetics and I could earn X funding and I could short on FTX or something and only have to pay a little bit less funding." So they do that basis. That's called a basis arb. Um, and and then you you basically the funding rate stops moving right because the velocity goes to zero when the skew is zero. Um, and then you found the fair market funding rate and the and the the LP's exposure is balanced, right? uh and so then any trades from there would perturb the funding rate away from the, what the you know prevailing fair market funding rate is but presumably that's where arbs step in um to 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 balance out your exposure again um so yeah super super simple uh implementation wise a little bit harder to get your head around but not not really that hard i don't think um but it is a super powerful risk management like aspect of of perp v2 in my opinion
0: yeah so 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 pretty much just like summarizing that like um, like, you know, if you kind of run through an example, right? Like, let's say there's a, you know, there's a market for BTC and, you know, a person goes, uh, 10 million long and no one at first is, uh, there's no one short on this market. Um, so funding rates will uh, increase to a certain point, but as that, um, as this long position stays open and no one is arbing it, the funding rates will continue to increase on this market. Um, uh, as time goes on where no one has ARB this, which then opens this opportunity for funding rates to continue to increase, which then brings someone in who wants to ARB this market.
1: Yeah, um, or the first trader just closes their position because I think it's too expensive now.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's so really you're left in like one or two positions. Like this this first trader just closes their <laughs> position because it's it's not worth it anymore. Um or someone will step in and ARB it because it's profitable enough for them to do so. Yep. Got it. Got it. Okay, yeah. That that makes a great deal of sense um yeah, it has
1: another sorry it has a lot yeah, of other before. it has some nice like mathematical properties also um well like one thing that um was like a concern that was raised as a potential drawback um <clears throat> was that with the v1 funding rate uh lps exclusively earn funding right like so if you have a little bit of of long skew um All the longs are paying to the shorts, but then the little bit of excess that creates the skew pays funding to the LPs. And same thing if you have short skew. Um, With this model, like let's say you start from zero and there's long skew. Okay, funding is positive. We have more longs than shorts. While that condition persists, um, the the amount of excess longs, you know, is effectively paying funding to LPs. Um, But if you start from positive funding and you have short skew, you still have positive funding, but you have more shorts than longs which means that LPs are actually paying funding to the excess shorts. It's the reverse. So you might look at that and say, oh my God, that's scary. It's bad. It's different from everything I'm familiar with. Um, but actually, because it, it, the amount of the, the amount of funding, and this is also cool, it's also purely path independent. So when you move all through you know, funding rate, if I go from zero to 20% APR to 10% to 30%, back to zero to negative 20 and back, um, your net funding... As an LP over that period will be zero. Um, so you earn some funding as you know the funding rate goes higher, and then as the funding rate compresses, you basically pay out what you earned. And it's kind of just an artifact of how the of the math of the system. Um, but basically, like because we don't expect, uh, you know, we expect funding to be mean reverting and range bound over long periods of time, then your expected funding will be zero, um, just like your expected you know premium earned from from uh, from the premium discount. Uh, is also zero. So, both of those are zero and your directional risk is generally very low. And so, uh, you kind of just really just con- condense it down to the fee that LPs earn in exchange for holding a period for a short period of time, holding a position for a short period of time until, until uh, you know, a matching position is, is found.
0: All right, awesome. Yeah, no, that that makes a great deal of sense. You know, I, I, I think you, you sum up the, um, you know, any particular woes that, that people, you know, on the synthetic side would think, you know, in terms of, oh, I, I'm not earning funding rate, now I'm paying it. Um, but, you know, that super simple summary of, well, the net funding over a long period of time for LPs will end up being zero um, because of this, well, because it has to revert back to zero at some point. Um, so that makes a great deal of sense. Um, is, is, is there anything else on this, um, like premium discount side of things that, that you'd want to like walk through or, um, and premium discount funding rate? Like, is there anything else that, that you think, you know, folks would want to know
1: of? Uh, those those are the biggies in terms of like the, like protocol level risk management that's happening.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, we could totally step into, um, if you want to step into like, Scaling as it relates to you know uh, these these hybrid oracles and you know some of this portion of uh, you know the perf sip relating to um, you know some of these off chain pricing and, and so on and so forth. Could you kind of explain a little bit of that and, and what your thoughts are there?
1: Yeah. Um, so the kind of the yeah the the realization um, that I think eventually became obvious was that. It's kind of like uh, like working to improve, you know, latency and, and fighting against, you know, latency arbitrators arb is like, it's kind of like, that. so there's this thing in biology, it's called the Red Queen hypothesis, and it's basically like based on Alice in Wonderland, and it's right, it's like, you kind of have to keep running faster and faster just to stay in place. Um, it's, a, it's a thing in evolutionary biology. It's but- like.
0: It's like the, uh, it's like the good old, you know, front running problem, you
1: know? Exactly, (laughs) yeah. So you can improve your latency by X amount and basically you just kind of, you remove some of the times where somebody might have done a latency arm but the rest are still there. Uh, And there will always, it's basically impossible to eliminate uh, latency permanently, right? Um, There's always gonna be like somebody who is observing the market directly uh, will always be able to trade faster than the time it takes for information to propagate to to the chain, basically. Um, So kind of the realization we had is that we had to maybe change the way we think about oracles in the protocol. Um, And the the design that we ended up kind of uh, zeroing down on was if you basically had um, like a decentralized oracle network that is updating prices off-chain, but they're all signed. So I don't know what type of, you know, Either it has many signatures attached to it or a threshold signature or some other signature aggregation. Um, and that's all just made available off chain, but it's a decentralized Oracle network. Um, and then an on chain contract can, if you want to trade, you basically pull a price update from this off chain network and you submit it with your order, right? And you use it to confirm your order. And on chain contract knows who all the valid signers are or it knows what an appropriately, you know, sufficiently decentralized signature set would look like. Uh, it checks all of those things to make sure that they're valid, um, and then it also checks to make sure that you're not trying to scam it and giving it an old price update or something like that, right? Um, so th- there's a few ways to think about it, but uh, basically that, that's kind of what we ended up thinking. And then there's some subtleties around like, you know, if it should be one transaction or two, right? Should it be instant or should it be asynchronous? Um, there are some benefits to asynchronous in the short term. Um, and it's a little, it's a slight, you know, trade off in terms of user experience, but, um, because it's, uh, so much safer and resilient to latency, um, it can be, it can be, uh, you know, a lot cheaper, much lower fees and more efficient for, for users and hopefully more capital efficient for LPs. Um, and then, you know, as, as, as the chains that these things live on, you know, get more and more high performance, presumably users won't even really notice, uh, anymore, um, there's some loss of composability, which is why it's it's still like crucial to always have a really good uh, oracle that is purely on chain. Like like synthetics, I think is unique in that it's not like I would say its primary uh, use is not right as like a decentralized exchange. Like it, that, well, that certainly is one thing that people like to use it for uh, to plug into synthetics liquidity. Um, if there's a lot of other use cases of like you know vaults and and, and automated structured products or. Um, you know, Lyra, you know, plugging our own, uh, you know, e- ecosystem options protocol. Um, lots of other reasons that you would want to use this liquidity, right? Um, and though, for a lot of those, the trade-off for using on-chain oracles, uh, the performance trade-off is, is perfectly acceptable, right? Like if you want to have like a basis trading vault, you don't necessarily need to trade as soon as you send money to the vault. You could wait 30 seconds. And if you, if the if it's an order type that must wait 30 seconds, then, uh, you know, it's, it's much more resilient. To latency again, and then you could have a very competitive piece, right? Um, so these kinds of things will always work totally fine, right? Same with Lyra. Lyra will use uh, the liquidity from synthetics, perps to delta hedge. It's it's options LPs, and again, like the the urgency is not necessarily there. You don't it, it doesn't require a super high performance trading experience. So we can still preserve all the composability and robustness uh, f- for those types of use cases. Um, But for this one specific use case of users that require high performance, maybe the decentralized off-chain Oracle network makes more sense.
0: Got it, got it. So like, how would you provide like, like an example of of how this would work? Like, are prices off-chain assigned to a particular block? And then, you know, a person submits the intent to, or rather submits their trade. And then they're connected with the particular block that they submitted their transaction on, like to receive their, their price or like, how would you just try to like, you know, uh, bring, like bring this kind of off-chain thing down into like a real, not like a real world perspective, but more of like a, like, like an understandable side of things.
1: Yeah. So I would say there's three general ways to do it. Um, one is like a way that settles instantly. Um, so that would be like, I grab an off chain price update and I submit it with my order. It it's sufficiently fresh, like, if, um, then the, the, it'll be accepted. Um, but that's kind of hard to, that's kind of hard to actually do in practice. Um, for one, it has to be really fresh if you want it to be resilient to latency, like it, like when the market is really moving, if you look at like one second candles in trading view, like. Some things in crypto, they really move in one second, right? And so you want to have your fee sufficiently, you know, high to be able to make sure that you don't, that LPs don't kind of take a bath during those really big spikes, but you don't want them to be so high that it, it kills the user experience. And so if even one or two seconds of latency can make things difficult, you've kind of got a problem because uh, in a lot of cases, it takes people much more than one or two seconds just to sign a transaction in MetaMask, right? So uh so that that approach is a little bit is a little bit difficult um but it, it, so basically that relies on time on, on time as a coordinate right um the other the other aspect is the other way you could do it is like you just say okay well like we're just gonna have to settle it'll have to be settled in two transactions one where you basically queue a trade and one where you settle and confirm the trade uh and then the, the delay basically between you know when the trade when a transaction is initiated and when it's settled that that's configured based on, you know, how much inherent latency you can tolerate within your Oracle. It's on the, or probably on the order of, you know, several seconds or something, uh, maybe less if you, depending on the Oracle you have. Um, and then the other one, which you alluded to you block sign as a coordinate or b- block number. Uh, and the idea behind that would basically be like, if you have some Oracle that like is publishing, you know, basically backfilling prices for every every block, uh, and it's saying like, this is the price that I associate with this block. You submit a trade and then you basically just uh, settle the trade uh, with a price update that's basically notarized with the block number, right? So it kind of retroactively says, what what was the trade, uh, what was the price when I submitted the trade, confirm it at that price, right? And the upside of that is that um, there's, no, there's no slippage from like when you, so here I'm saying slippage, not the misnomer when most people mean price impact, I'm saying slippage in like deviation between what you expect the price to be and what it actually ends up settling at. So if I submit a trade when the price is you know one dollar and I wait six seconds and the price drifts to one point oh two, you know there was a little bit of slippage. You know I didn't get the exact price that I was expecting to get. But if I submit a trade and then I wait six seconds and then I say, look, the price was one dollar six seconds ago. There is no slippage. Uh, so that's 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 one of the benefits of kind of retroactively filling like this. And again, if you have like a sufficiently high performance oracle, um, as soon as the block is published, and the, if the oracle publishes a price associated with that block very quickly, you can you can quickly confirm the transaction. Got it. So got it. A, yeah, now, those are like the main ways. Got it. Got it. Now, now, could we just
0: walk through what this is going to look like in uh, Perps v two? Like what this off chain system looks like. For uh, you know, for the implementation that, that that will be upcoming.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean TBD. Like, it's we're hoping it looks like one of those, maybe the last one. Um, like obviously the you know synthetics community has a very close relationship with Chainlink, and and we're hoping that uh, we could have something spun up that kind of you know would probably be used by a lot of other people, uh, not just synthetics. Something that might be a little bit more like. Basically, just like, it's kind of, you know, I would say in in the context of all the other use cases on chain, it's it's maybe a little bit more specific um, versus, you know, other price feeds, which can secure lending markets and can be used for, you know, anything else. I guess mostly lending markets, but, uh, or or settling, you know, other contracts or instruments or whatever. Um, But this kind of like super high performance Oracle, you really only need it when you're pricing trades based on it, right? Um, So... Uh, uh yeah, I mean I, I think like we want it to look something like the third one um because we we think that provides the best trade-off of performance and safety but I think it, you know it depends on where things go and you know what what the community decides it wants in terms of you know ha- you know in terms of timelines and uh efficiency and you know which things are the safest for LPs and, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, no that's the, the, that's actually a very helpful answer and I and and I think that that you know people in the community uh you know kind of have to note that like um, it, in the SIP itself, it, it doesn't actually, you know, detail which which route Synthetics is going to go down because you know these things are all, you know, uh, you know these things that really have to be worked out as as time goes on and you know um, realities with, with timelines and, and, and when oracles like this uh, you know can exist and um, be used by Synthetics in, in the environment that you know 2 wants to use them in. Um, so yeah. I really appreciate laying out those those three types, uh, you know, the three options that, that people can then, you know, uh, you know, start to think about as as the governance process kicks off and, and then, you know, makes the final decision on, on, on what that will look like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's really like, I, I, I know we've gone through like a ton of information as to, you know, as to this feature set. That was, that was fantastic. I can kind of, check in on gov chat to see if there's any like overarching questions um, might be a little late on, <laughs> on some of these questions thus far. Um, but no, I think that was that, that was very helpful, just, you know, breaking out these these feature sets and, and how they're expected to work, um, just to kind of like, way, just to like, walk back to it. Um, you know, three of these big features um, that are coming for Perps v2. Um, let's first say like, you know, they, they hope to solve this, um, these higher fees that have to be set up. Um, they hope to solve the, the lower, uh, open interest caps that had to be established on purpose one Um, and then, um, you know, curfee two hopes to, um, hopes to be able to support a wide range of markets and, and how that gets done is, is through this, you know, this new, um, hybrid Oracle system that, you know, if he's walking through or have walked through already. And then there's uh, you know premium and discount functions, and then alongside that there's these changes in the in the funding rate uh, mechanisms to associate with that. Um, let me see if there's yeah, anything. Yeah, that's pretty good summary. Yeah, just wanna just wanna like bring that all in for everyone, just so they kind of know where we're at with first B two and you know first off what the problems are, and then what it's trying to solve. Um, so here, let me see. I think K said had a question. Um, Kset asked, um, "Will there be an SNX oracle to read what the current uh, to read what the current oracle is plus offset? Is there a limit to how far the oracle uh, slash spot perps can move?"
1: Um, can you repeat the question?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll. I'm just going to repeat the last part. But she might also be here as well, as
1: my feel pull her on stage.
0: Um, but anyway, um, it's is there a limit to how far oracle um, and spot perps can move?
1: uh no i mean i i I don't i don't see why it would be uh necessary i think you just need to have the normal uh protections that exist in other like like when you submit an order on uniswap you can have slippage protection right because you don't want people to get sandwiched so obviously you have the same kind of vector here um maybe not yet because it runs on optimism and there isn't a mempool but you know there probably will be uh at some point maybe not in the too distant future so you would basically, the mechanism would be like, i want to submit an order and I don't want to pay more than X premium, or I don't want to pay, I'm willing to pay between X and X plus, you know, Delta. Um, and that basically, that's basically it. That's how you kind of protect users. But as far as like for, from like a risk management LP perspective, there's not really a, there's no real reason to kind of cap it. Uh, you don't really make any statements about uh, how far you are want to allow um Premium or discount to, to go in either direction because it doesn't really impact anyone. The only thing that you have to consider is that um, you still want to make sure that liquidations are triggering and taking place um, at an oracle price rather than at this price that can be that can be moved uh, with leverage, right? Um, but outside of that, like there's really no reason to put a limit. It just kind of makes the math more awkward and it introduces more surface for complexity for not really not really any benefit.
0: Got it. Got it. And then, you know, she, she had one additional question, which I think really ties in, but I, I just want to make sure by asking you, she said, is there, is there a notion of price banding uh, slash limits or, or circuit breakers um, within purpose detail?
1: Um, I mean, TBD, once that Oracle setup is laid, laid out, like there may be Oracle and price dependent circuit breakers, but um, there won't be any other kind of circuit breakers. The, the, I mean, I wouldn't imagine any other kind of circuit
0: breakers would be necessary. Yeah, got it. So, so it would be, you know, if if these exist, it would more exist within the, um, you know, it would potentially exist within like this off um, hybrid oracle that we're discussing, um, you know, potentially with some like safety mechanisms attached, uh, to make sure it doesn't drift, you know, uh, further from from other uh, trusted oracles. Yeah. Um. Kind of, kind of, what I think. I, I, I want to say Caleb, or maybe it was a community member that was kind of discussing that. You know, um, you know, with this ongoing uh, um, governance proposal that'll that'll come out with Pith. You know, potentially using Chainlink as like a like a trusted oracle to to make sure it. it you know, this oracle doesn't drift too far in, in the event of a circuit breaker happening to be triggered. Um, but yet again, all, all that stuff TBD because all, all all these things are governance discussions that you know, a fee for myself or Kane or any core contributor or community member has has no direct control over it. It really just becomes a governance conversation at that point. Um, The Spartan Council controls all those uh, all those aspects. Um, Just want to make sure that type this answer out as well. Yeah, Okay. awesome. Um, Yeah, I mean, I you've you've hit everything in great detail. I'm definitely, you know, I I took some brief notes during this, but you know, you you definitely talk a little bit quick as well. So I'm, I'm gonna have to run through my notes with you afterwards, <laughs> just to just to make sure that that I got everything, and then we kind of get this out to the people so they can, you know, uh, you know, just just sift through this information, sift through um, some of your thoughts on on other protocols and, and how other systems do it. This was a very informative call, though, uh, super helpful. Um, I'm gonna leave questions open for like. Like a minute or two in GovCall chat, if you guys want to throw them in. Um, but yeah, Alexander is already saying that he needs notes. Which, Alexander, I will get them over to you <laughs> in the coming days, just just so we're all in a in a good spot. But that was that was really fantastic. The beef was very helpful.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I hope it was. I hope it was informative, uh, at least a little bit for folks in the audience.
0: No, no, it was. It was definitely very informative. These are these are conversations that, you know, um, that we wish we could have more often, you know, they, they, they kind of are had on discord to a certain extent. Um, but you know, they're kind of broken up into like less structured questions and more just, you know, you answering a question here and then it getting lost in a sea of other responses. Um, <laughs> just kind of reading through some of chat. Um, but yeah, I'll give I'll give people another minute if they have any questions, but if they do not, then we will then we will say goodbye to our good friend. We'll give this a second. <laughs> All right. It looks like we don't. It looks like the folks are just messing around with you in Gov poll chat. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, overall, um, just so you folks in the audience know, um, there's going to be a lot of information that that follows with Perp's V two. Um, you know, there's there's definitely some content from the uh, from the official side that'll that'll come with, um, you know, kind of just a breakdown of the of, of the sit thus far, um, and then we'll obviously release um, the notes from this call just to just to break down, you know, Thief's thoughts on um, on different subjects. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of information to follow and there's a lot of things still to be decided by, by governance as well. Um, so yeah, so any of those questions, probably the best place for, to answer or to ask any questions related to perps would be the, uh, the Perps channel on the synthetics discord. Um, but you know, information to follow. Um, so yeah, overall, um, thank you everyone for coming to another Spartan space. I mean, it was, it was great to have a thief here to, you know, to use his big brain to, to walk through all these really complex and complicated questions, um, especially when it comes to the mechanism of uh, v two, um, and then his general thoughts elsewhere. Um, so yeah, Fee, you, thank you so much for coming. Thank you to everyone in the audience, and we'll get this, uh, we'll get all these notes and the recording live on on YouTube ASAP. So thank you, everyone.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, and thank you, Matt.